You are listening to Defunct Games Presents Cyril Reed's Bionic Commando. Previously on Cyril Reed's Bionic Commando. After successfully defeating the evil Nas organization, Jack Markson and his partner, Super Joe, were ready to celebrate their victory. But Generalissimo killed, and his bad terrorist group had other ideas. Using ninjas and snipers, killed ruined their day and kidnapped Super Joe. Thankfully, Jack was able to escape, but not before suffering some major injuries with his arm. The Federation may have been able to save Jack, but they were forced to remove his arm and attach a plastic bionic arm that will aid him in his quest to defeat Kilt and rescue Super Joe. Already, he's managed to escape, becoming a Jack Sandwich, fought off a giant squid tangled with fighter jets, and defeated a evil man-eating plant. No, I'm not joking. After escaping his last mission, he was knocked unconscious by a tiny screw. Will he wake up in time to save Super Joe? Find out now when you hear another double episode of Cyril Reed's Bionic Commando. Chapter 14 Jack, wait, wake up, Jack. Can you hear me? Heather's voice drifted through the haze of pain in Jack's mind. He opened his eyes and saw her face hovering above him. What a beautiful woman, he thought. Joe was a lucky man. Where am I? Jack asked groggily. You're in the Federation safe house in San Pedro, Heather said with a smile. You must have blacked out after you called me. Luckily, you already set the chopper on autopilot. Your ejection seat went off automatically, too. Your parachute landed in a tree and dangled you there until I pulled you down. Some bionic commando, huh? Jack said with a painful grin. Hey, you survived Sage 5, didn't you? Heather said. I called the captain to let him know. He said the next six stages would be child's play in comparison. The next six stages? Jack asked with a groan. I don't think so. Then he blacked out, again as a wave of pain crashed over him. Mr. Jack! Mr. Jack! Did my map help you? Jack's eyes flew open at the sound of Tiger's annoying voice. So Tiger was there too? Ah, this kid never gives up. Your map was great, Tiger. You must have delivered a lot of raw octopus to stage five. Just twice, Mr. Jack, Tiger said. But I cased the joint while I was there. You'll make a great spy someday, Tiger, Jack said. In fact, I may get you into the Federation spy school after you graduate from college. How how long will that be? Tiger asked impatiently. About ten, maybe twelve years, Jack said. You mean American kids have to go to school for that long? Tiger asked. Having second thoughts? Jack asked with a grin. You must be feeling better, Jack. Heather asked as she walked over to check on him. You've been asleep for 20 hours now. Jack sat up in the bed and immediately noticed that the pain in his face and hands was gone. What happened to my burns? He asked, shaking his head in a look of amazement at his healed skin. I used an ancient Chinese herbal ointment, Heather explained. It was something I learned during my mission to China. I got caught in a burning bamboo 
that had been firebombed by Andalusian revolutionaries. An old village woman dragged me to her house and nursed me back to life. She used the salve to heal the burns and covered 60% of my body. She did a good job, Jack said, admiring Heather's clear olive skin. Heather blushed when she caught his gaze and changed the subject. Oh, how, how is your arm? She asked. I mean your bionic wonder. Jack ran his hand across the bionic arm to check on its damage. It looks okay. Good thing, too. The captain worries more about it than he does me. Oh, I just finished talking to him, Jack, Heather said. He has a list of things he wants you to capture before he, you go to rescue Super Joe. He says you can't destroy Kilt's empire without them. Jack jumped off the bed and started to pace the floor. He was getting fed up with the captain's delays. Maybe he's wrong, Heather, Jack said, in anger rising. Maybe Joe can't wait for me to go chasing after all the captain's stupid gadgets. Jack saw a look of pain flash on Heather's green eyes. He suddenly realized that she understood all too well what the delays might mean. She cared just as much about Joe's safety as he did. Jack swallowed the words in his mouth and gave Heather a quick hug. Give me the captain's shopping list, he said. I'll try to get this over with as soon as I can. Heather handed him a sheet of paper with the captain's instructions. There are the next six stages in the mission, Jack, she explained. Memorize everything on this paper. I'll destroy it as soon as you have it committed to memory. Jack looked at the list. Stage 2, Super Joe's Good Luck Charm. Stage 3, Magazine of Ammunition. Stage 6, Electronic Permit for Entry. Stage 14, Helmet. Stage 8, Ninja Iron Boots. Stage 9, Three-Way Gun. Okay, I've got it, he said, handing the list back to Heather. She took it over the fireplace and threw it in, making sure the paper was totally consumed by the flames. When will I hear from you again, Jack? Heather asked. I'll contact you at the end of stage nine, Jack told her. Good luck, Mr. Jack, Tiger said as Jack pulled on his commando jacket and headed for the door. Any tips, Tiger? Jack asked, stopping to look back. Be, be careful on stage nine, Tiger said. His dark eyes looked troubled. The last time I was there, I heard screams coming from the basement. Chapter 15 Jack parachuted down into stage nine, the last of the six sectors on the captain's list. He had gone to the others in record time, collecting the things the captain had ordered. Jack hoped Stage 9 would go as quickly. He was getting anxious to see Joe, anxious to know if he was still alive. Jack landed, stripped off the parachute, and ran for cover near the building. So far, so good. Kilt didn't have a greeting party waiting for him. Jack entered the building through the narrow passage that reeked with the smell of garbage. Stage 9 was the waste disposal sector of Kilt's empire. It gave a new meaning to the word garbage. Jack wondered if Kilt hung out there just for the atmosphere. 
Jack headed for his first destination, the communication room. He picked his way through the junk that littered the passageway. Broken weapons, shards of glass, and a shot-up tank. The world would turn into one big garbage dump if bad was in power. Jack stepped over a beat-up killer copter into the communications room. Flipping his blue communicator, he signaled an all-call. Hal's face came on the monitor, looking grim. Report on your progress, Jack, he ordered. Jack took a deep breath. He'd been through a lot since leaving the Federation safe house at stage 16. I've got through stages 2, 3, 6, 14, and 8, sir, he reported. I've captured Joe's good luck charm, the magazine of ammo, the electronic permit, the blue communicator, the helmet, and the ninja iron boots. How did it all go, Jack? Hal asked. Were you injured? I've dodged every kind of ammo you can think of, climbed over slippery poles, escaped blobs of slimy goo, and outsmarted at least 500 bad soldiers, Jack said. My muscles are sore, my brain is tired, and I have to find Super Joe. Now! Take it easy, Jack, take it easy, Hal ordered. You you still have to find the three-way gun in stage nine. But you're getting close to Joe. Kilt has been moving him around to confuse us. He was at stage nine just, just three hours ago. Jack suddenly felt a flash of hope. He had begun to feel like he would never see Joe again. These stages were wearing him down. But now a surge of energy pulsed through his body. Thanks, Hal. I needed to hear that. Do me a favor, will ya? Contact Heather Willis and tell her I'm getting close. Right, Jack. Talk to you later. The communicator went dead as Hal broke contact. Jack knew he should check the eavesdrop mode, but he didn't want to take the time. He wanted to get through stage 9 as soon as possible and move on with his mission. Jack ran out of the communications room and down a dark passage. Thoughts of saving Joe crowded into his mind. All of a sudden, he was running on air and then falling. It was a pit! He was falling into an evil-smelling pit. At the bottom of it, red flames licked up at him like hungry tongues. Tiger's warning about screams from the basement flashed into Jack's mind. But now, it was too late. He was falling fast. Jack started to choke on the poisonous fumes of the fire. He threw out his grappling hook and missed. He tried again. Missed. His skin began to sting from the heat was just a few feet away from the inferno. Jack shot up the grappling hook one more time. It snapped into the ledge and held. Jack pulled his wary body up onto the ledge and looked down into the pit. He felt like screaming just thinking about falling into that. Jack rested for a minute and steeled his nerves. He made a mistake, an almost fatal mistake. From now on, he had to take it slow. He had to be more careful. In stage nine, haste made waste for you. Jack grappled over five more fire pits. 
Then he heard a loud rumbling behind him and whirled around just in time to see a cart full of garbage bouncing towards him. He jumped up and landed on the cart, riding it into the next room. When he jumped off, five bad soldiers crawled out of the passageways like cockroaches. One fired a bullet at his head before he had time to duck. The bullet bounced off his helmet that he had got in stage 14, ricocheting back to where it had come from. Jack shot off a round of cover fire and then ran for the exit door in stage 9. He grabbed a three-way gun mounted on the wall where he radioed for up for the copter. Back in the cockpit, Jack flew up to the safe altitude and checked out his new gun. The three-way gun had a barrel that shot straight, left, and right, making it almost impossible for enemies to get near him. Satisfied that it was working properly, he then wolfed down the three hero sandwiches he had brought from San Pedro. He would always remember the mission every time he got hungry. As he swallowed his last bite, he put out a call to the captain. Captain, it's Jack. Come in. The captain's voice broke through the crackle of the interference. I just heard from Hal that you had made it through stage nine. Jack, congratulations. Thank you, sir, Jack said. This could mean a silver medal for you. Jack, the captain said proudly. Jack couldn't believe his ears. How could the captain talk about decorations at a time like this? Super Joe was still in the hands of Kilt, and the minutes were ticking away. Captain, I want to go for Super Joe now, Jack said with clenched teeth. Where is he? Kilt has moved him from stage 9 to stage 17, Jack, the captain said. But... We don't know if Joe is still there. Our double agent in 17 was captured and killed. Jack swallowed hard. He wondered which of his fellow agents had died to save Joe. Every spy knew that death was part of the game they were playing. But you always expected to beat it. One more thing, Jack, the captain said. Kilt has held back till now because Albatross wasn't finished. We've just got some bad news. Albatross is now ready to destroy the world. The Hand found its inventor, the evil Master D, and forced him to make the final connections. Master D? Jack asked. Is that... Some sort of maniac who calls himself Master Destructo? Right, Jack, the captain said. We're dealing with a bunch of psychos here. Our only hope is that they destroy each other before they destroy the world. Captain, I've got to get moving, Jack said. Over and out. Over and out, Jack. The captain said, And don't let anything happen to that bionic arm. An hour later, Jack parachuted down into stage 17, pumped up for action. The three-way gun was strapped to his back. 
In his commando jacket, he had the flare bombs, the electronic permit, and the blue communicator. He drifted past the snow-capped mountains and the treetops, landing near several huts in a neutral village. Jack ran for cover against a wall and waited. He didn't look too neutral himself, but he figured Bad had probably taken control of the village anyway. His hunch was right. A Bad soldier walked by on a patrol, but missed seeing him. Jack slipped inside the closest hut and came face to face with an M8 dressed as a Bad soldier. Joe's been moved to stage 7, the M8 said in a low voice. And you've got to get out of here fast. Cold just issued a reward for your body, dead or alive. Oh, there's, there's a door against the far wall that leads to a tunnel. Follow it back to stage 14. Just then, a blast of machine gun fire burst through the air. <laughs> Bad commandos rushed into the hut. Jack grabbed M8 and knocked him to the floor with a karate chop. It might hurt, but it would save M8's cover. Then Jack turned to look down the barrel of 20 guns. To be continued. And now an open letter to J.B. Stamper, the author of Bionic Commando. Dear J.B. Stamper, oh, wait a second. After spending half the book talking about the very first stage, you, you expect us not to care that you skipped over five of the most pivotal levels? I, did, did nothing interesting happen in those levels? You make it sound like Jack had this really interesting time. You, I mean, you you have him say that he, he killed 500 bad soldiers and, a, and he even battled like a slime monster or something. I mean, a slime monster. Well... I guess after you fight a giant squid and a man-eating plant, that uh, I guess anything's possible. But but it would have been nice for us to at least give us a cool montage or something. I mean, hell, we could just put some cheesy 1980s pop song in the background and do it like it's a like it's a movie or something. You know what? If, if you're not going to do it, then maybe we should. Uh, let's turn down the music here and 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 put on something else. Uh, maybe something a little bit more montagey. Uh, the, the kind of thing you expect from, like, you know, Rocky or, or uh, the Karate Kid. So let's see here. Let's, let's cut the music and, uh, and fill in the gap here. Jack Markson sat in the helicopter wondering if he was going to be able to do it. Could he possibly be the man Super Joe needed? He jumped out of the helicopter to find out, not caring that he had forgot his trusty parachute. He landed with a loud thud, alerting all of the guards in the area. One by one, Jack dismembered each and every one of them, cutting off fingers and toes and ears and whatnot. He massacred each and every one of the bad soldiers. He did this all while keeping his gun in stun mode, because he's not a savage. All of a sudden, a bear jumps out and wrestles Jack to the ground. Thankfully, Jack's Federation training kicked in. Instead of fighting a bear, the Federation suggests that you tickle your way out of any bad situation. For the next 30 minutes, Jack tickled the bear into a coma, and then cut him open and ripped a blue communicator out of his stomach. He then ran really fast and jumped over to the next stage, where he bought Joe another good luck charm. Jack didn't bother fighting anybody for this item, because who the hell fights somebody over something as small as a good luck charm? I mean, really. From there, Jack flies to the next stage, where he locates a magazine of ammunition. 
He also bought himself a magazine about ammunition called Ammunition Weekly. As he went to pay, he realized that instead of being a wise old foreigner taking his money, it was a giant slime creature that wanted to kill him. The two of them fought. Well, Jack punched and the slime slopped around. It wasn't much of a fight, really, because Jack's punches went right through the monster, and the slime wasn't thick enough to do any damage to our hero. Instead, the two of them bounced off of each other for a good ten minutes, and then Jack remembered that slime hates fire. Well, Jack was wrong. But at that exact moment, Jack remembered that he didn't actually have to fight the slime monster because he already had found what he wanted. Next up was the permit to entry card. Jack wasn't really wanting to do this mission, but he ended up paying a local to go down into the dungeon, fight through a series of mazes, survive killer rats, and retrieve the entry card that would allow him to end the story. It was money well spent, and since stage 6 was a third world stage, it only cost Jack a nickel. Jack then swung over to stage 14, where he bought a helmet. He would have bought the iron boots in town, but he was told that he either had to order them online or go to stage 8. He considered ordering them online, but decided that he didn't want to wait a couple of days and pay shipping. It killed him, though, since had he had just gone through eBay, he would have got it for a fraction of the price. Stupid Super Joe. Why couldn't he have just waited a few days to be saved? Finally, Jack was on to stage 9. He had just discovered that the Ammunition Weekly wasn't about what he thought it was. But that didn't matter right now because his helicopter was being attacked by a group of killer seagulls. He decided that he didn't have time for this and grabbed his parachute and jumped out for his dear life. Well, I guess that just takes us back to where we meet up with what you wrote, Judah. See, wasn't that fun? It's, it's even better with the music in the background, I think. It fills in so many gaps, too. So, you know, why couldn't you have just done that? Instead, you had to skip ahead, like, you know, no one's gonna notice. Anyway, uh, these two chapters were really a lot of fun. I, I can't wait to see what happens in the next two episodes. God, I can barely even believe that this is almost the end of the book. I, I really hope that you stick around for whatever book we lampoon next. I mean, maybe it'll be Blaster Master or possibly Metal Gear. I, I don't know. Regardless, I think that's just about going to do it for me this week. Thanks for, for tuning in. I look forward to writing you next week. Until then, yours truly, Sarah LaShawn.